0: Searching for a new home? Make todayshomebc.com your online home base. With easy-to-search listings and connections to local realtors, everything you need is under one roof. Powered by Black Press Media, you can search hundreds of local listings, all in one place. Access the top real estate professionals
1: to help you find the perfect home today at (laughs) todayshomebc.com. welcome to measure twice cut once a podcast from haven the Home Builders association of vancouver from codes to kitchens safety to sun decks
0: we'll take you behind the walls in all things home building design and renovation and give you the ins and outs from the experts to help you build or renovate the right home for you
1: in plain language
0: focused on home building design and renovation i'm jennifer lee gunson and i'm mike friedman now that you're here why not hit subscribe and you'll never miss another episode
1: Hey, Mike, how's it going?
0: Jennifer, if I was any better, I'd be you. I'm so happy to be back in the studio again today.
1: Yes, I'm very excited about today's topic, condo renovations, as I am considering buying into the market and have a lot of questions for our guests today.
0: I hear you. I've been learning so much this season. Last week's episode on duplexes was so interesting on so many levels, helping me to house my children down the road or just for me to age in place. And that's also a potential revenue stream for today. Duplexes just make so much sense.
1: I hear you. Finding ways to address Vancouver's affordability issue is so important. And when it comes to livability, it is really important to make sure your home that you can afford works for you, especially when you think about living in a smaller condo space.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more. So let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to our guests, and let's get some questions answered.
1: Today we have Bebek, founder of Condo Works Design Renovations and Jamie Banfield, principal designer of Jamie Banfield Designs. Welcome gentlemen.
2: Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. So before we
0: begin, we always like to get a little bit of background information because we know where you guys are at right now. We want a little bit more information about your journey in the construction industry and why you're doing what you're doing today.
3: Yeah, so my journey in this construction industry I think is not really unique, but in my eyes what I was going through is pretty unique. So I always loved construction. My dad dabbled. I literally would come home and our kitchen would be gone because he had got a good deal on something and he'd play around with it. And, you know, he had electrician friends, plumber friends, and he would do all types of projects and, and kind of just was living through it all kind of through my childhood. But as a kid, like my mom and dad would go out on vacation or, you know, head out for an evening and I would literally paint my mom's room with exterior paint and not even know or like drag their brick kind of storage unit from their their TV cabinet into the living room straight into the dining room and not really understand but I always had this just desire to kind of just just do things and I did not understand that interior designer was actually a career I thought there was architecture or construction, that's it. So I actually thought I was going to get into marketing. Headed off to um, Australia, came back, got a job in construction, got a job at Home Depot after that, and then realized that I could actually go to BCIT. I could learn everything about construction on the design side. And design to me was very much like pillows and drapery, but it's not really that tact. It's very much, you know, heavily on finishing materials and cabinetry and space planning and and all types of different fun materials. So for me, I've always kind of been in it. And that was kind of the journey to get to the end result, where I didn't actually understand that this was even a career path that anybody could take on. And, and you know, construction to me, I think one of the things I love about it is we get to see some sort of end product, right? Somebody buys this piece of paper, maybe it's a condo renovation for, you know, 400000 40000 and they're buying this piece of paper. And then at the end of the day, they have something that's going to impact their overall family.
0: Okay. uh, Babak, can you talk a little about your background, how you started in this industry, and what keeps inspiring you on a daily basis?
2: Sure thing. Um, I started my career in construction uh, straight out of BCIT being a building envelope technician. Um, And and that role basically put me in the trenches in front of uh, the leaky condo syndrome that was going on at the time. So this was, uh, for me, the early 2000s. I would go to the job sites. Uh, you'd have contractors basically peeling off the layers of the exteriors of buildings and exposing the amount of uh, mold or or damage that had happened to the building. So that role exposed me to uh, basically bad design and bad detailing and maybe a combination of the both and even some materials at the time. Having been witness to a lot of that stuff opened up my eyes and made me realize, okay, well, I need to know more about this industry. And And my passion was more about you know the development side, the building side, uh, just bringing the whole component together as opposed to just the uh, the envelope part. So that took me back to BCIT. I took the construction management program. I came out. I was hired by a, a local developer here who's very well known. And um, my first role with them was actually was uh, a customer service uh, Basically, agent or, or person, I would give out gift baskets uh, to homeowners and, and give them the keys to their to their condos or or to their units. Uh, these are people that had bought pre construction and and were waiting a year and a half to two years and finally getting their keys. So. That exposed me to what the end user wants, which today is my client and uh, what people are looking for in an end product. And so I worked my way backwards from that. And I said, well, you know what? I see a lot of sort of repeat things are happening on the interior and exterior. Let me work back. Luckily, my employer at the time gave me the opportunity to go back and sort of become um, an assistant site super. So from there on every project, I just worked backwards and, and right down to basically demolition and uh, you know starting a high rise from the ground up right to the day when I gave the keys to, to the end client so that was very eye-opening and it got me into the game and it got me to learn a lot Um, at the same time I sort of got bored with it because I saw the same repeat sort of pattern happening in every unit so you have to imagine I was a quality assurance guy I'd have to walk every unit on a daily basis every floor looking for deficiencies issues things like that and when you do that kind of work you you sort of become exposed to you you pick up errors right away or, or miscalculations or whatever the the issue may have been on site. So from that and, and having to be exposed to, say, interior designers at the time in the show centers and and sort of delivering the end product, um, my passion was it was just bringing all the pieces together. It was, it was the problem solving. It was uh, the scheduling, the managing, uh, dealing with designers. And so today with what I do, I'm basically doing the same thing. But now I'm working with designers and clients to enhance our condos and and, and bring it to this uh, state of what we call a sanctuary for them because they get to pick exactly what they want and how they want it, and, uh, and we, could be, we get to be a big part of that. But back, we talk a lot in our
0: business about return on investment and using that as a formula to calculate whether we go ahead with a project. It's probably the same with condominiums. How do you approach this with a condominium, and is it the similar ROI we can expect in doing a project on, say, a standalone home?
2: That's a good question. Um, it's a conversation we always have with our clients before the project starts. Uh, we always like to ask, you know, what is your end goal? Is this your forever home or is this sort of a temporary thing that you're doing that you will be in for the next, say, two to five years and then maybe flip it and sell it? The, the real estate market as you know, in the lower mainland, it's just been going up. And um, the, the bulk of our clients sort of are people that have owned a condo for quite a bit of time. And so they've built a bit of equity in it, whether that was paying down their mortgages or, um, you know, the, the prices have gone up over the years and um, you know there's opportunity in in some areas and neighborhoods and certain buildings so we're very upfront and honest with people we if we need to we can pull up comparables of things that have sold in the neighborhood and then we sort of go okay well we can do this we can do that depending where the client is and how much they want to spend now a lot of our work includes sort of larger scope where we gut the whole place and we just give it a whole brand new um, function and look and a design that uh, you know that they're looking for Uh, Majority of the time, the return on investment for a client, it's two ways. One is an ROI from a financial standpoint where we've had almost every one of our clients who went to sell their place afterwards actually got the highest price point in their building because of the the sort of the, the unique renovation that they had in there. And then there is the other ROI, which uh, it's a value. It's a personal value, right? You're going to be living there. This is your place. If anything COVID has has taught us, we're going to be spending more and more time indoors. So uh, we want our spaces to be more uh, customized to ourselves. Um, As you know, with with developers, they repeat the same pattern like 40, 50 times in the building. It's more efficient. But when we come in there, we can actually pick out individual sort of uh, little niches and things like that that can make the unit more appealing and more more basically customized to what the client wants. And when they go to sell, the unit is going to be so unique compared to everything else in the building, it yields them a higher uh, selling price point.
3: Yeah, and I would say like function is like number one, I think, on return on investment for me. And I think when you're looking at a condo and thinking of renovating it, I think just taking into account the bare bones and understanding what those are. So not looking at things like, you know, falling love like a wallpaper or a chandelier or colors of cabinets but understanding like where the plumbing is like how does the bathroom kind of function and kind of looking at this thing as like a clean slate cuz one one renovation that we worked on it it was you know it's it's a it's a condo it's it's a lovely couple they were recently moving in together this was going to be their kind of starter home but it was a pretty nice starter home and when we moved into the space there's a kitchen with a peninsula so when they're looking at the peninsula they just see that and they just think that that's all they're going to be able to work with so you know, I was rereading the survey from that job a couple of weeks ago and they had asked for more storage in the peninsula, but they want to have a table that can be extended for six people to dine there. But with just, you know, working with the back and just understanding the space planning and things that we can move and can't move, we end up creating this like massive kitchen, really large island because they actually make their own pasta, they bake, they cook. Husband's like a ridiculously good cook, but we were able to give them a dining room for, for six to eight people without compromising the living room or other spaces. So I think sometimes when homeowners walk into a space, especially a condo, they think that it's just like cookie cutter. You have to stick with exactly what's there. But I think purchasing the right condo and having the right team, like, like a designer that knows what's doing, and but back you know, from works that understands how kind of the domino effect works with trickling down walls and moving plumbing and things like that in a condo, that I think is the biggest return on investment anybody can have.
1: Yeah, it's all about properly planning your space. I know it depends on the actual building itself because of the different structures and everything. But I know that there's a lot of condo units where there's a lot of wasted space in the hallways. There's just like you go into some units and it's all hallway.
3: And that's one of my biggest pet peeves, though, is hallways. Like, I think if ideally a good space designed out can take away hallways. You know, we could we can figure something where it's actually a walk through linen closet or it's a walk through mudroom kind of situation instead of making a hallway and having a uh, a laundry room and that's the the condo was referring to where we kind of played around with the kitchen we did that we took away there was a space that was on paper called the laundry room and it literally had a washer dryer stacked and just some storage but it was probably like five six seven feet long maybe um but what it did is it actually made a hallway because it, it was adjacent to the kitchen so it made a hallway whereas if You know, we took that out, we were able to build it into millwork, and we deleted the hallway, and we made this dining room kind of installation in there.
0: Um, But I want to take a little bit back, step back towards the the planning. You know, we know it takes time in in advance to plan condos and to plan renovations because they have issues above and beyond a single family home. I can do a lot more in my house than you can do in a multi-density building. So when you're buying a condo, which is part of a large structure, uh, there's some things you're going to have to look for before you even consider purchasing the condo to start this project. But, back, can you walk us through some of the things you might look at at the beginning before we might bring Jamie in to start doing a design to change the space around? What are some of the things that you would look at, and maybe what are some of the red flags that you're looking at when you're walking through one of these buildings?
2: Sure thing. Uh, well, Well, let's break it down to the foundation first and foremost. You have two types of buildings. You've got the wood frame buildings and you have your concrete buildings. Uh, your wood frame condo buildings are not as uh, malleable to sort of moving walls around because you might have structural walls on the way and you can't really sort of pull them out or move them out unless you have uh, the structural drawings and you do some investigation. So that sort of is a wood frame story there. The, the concrete buildings are a lot more malleable in that sense in that your steel stud walls that are in there are non-structural. So unless those uh, steel studs actually contain any sort of major wiring or major sprinklers, or those can be manipulated and moved, but if they contain a stack which is carrying all the say the uh, the drainage from the floors above, then you're sort of stuck with that, and you have to work around that. Uh, so that's sort of the two distinctions. So you have a little bit more flexibility on the concrete buildings that you might have uh, in terms of moving walls than a wood building. Now, in terms of flags to look for or things to 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 sort of uh, be aware of. My first thing I tell people is, uh, you know, if you're purchasing and you're looking to sort of maybe do renovations, take a look at the um, the strata minutes. Take a look at what needs upgrading. Take a look at what sort of maintenance fees are involved and if there's any things that are being raised in the future. That sort of helps paint a picture of the state of the the building and how the strata council is managing it. Uh, that's super important. And, and and if that sort of comes back and everything is good and clear. Then the other thing to do, like for me, I have a background in building envelopes. So when I walk around a building, I can tell right away, has this been rain skinned or not? Are there enough overhangs or not? Are there a lot of stains on this building? And those things I you know, you put all that together and you sort of can paint a picture of, of what state the uh, the unit is in. And then um, simple things like if, if you smell any sort of you know mustiness in the air or mold. Like I've been into a lot of units where people are asking me, we want to renovate the whole thing, we want to you know, drop X amount of dollars into it. And I just look at them, I'm like, well, you have a bigger problem here. This place smells a little bit moldy or it smells like it's mildew. So I think you should address that before you do this, because going back to the ROI conversation, maybe you're not going to get back the amount of money that you put into it. So it's it's not just one sort of approach, but you have to take all these things, put them together and just, uh, you know, weigh the odds and, and just figure out uh, what the best approach is for you. That's
1: why I think it's so important to take somebody with you that knows uh, this type of stuff. It's so important because you don't want surprises later on.
2: Very true. So do your homework. If you're looking to buy a place and perhaps maybe uh, renovate it, uh, take someone with you or, or spend a little money on an inspector to have a good thorough look at that. Once you've passed that stage and you feel comfortable, then it's like, okay, well, we can go on to step two now and have a conversation about, you know, changing the functionality or the look or the design of the space.
1: And would that be good advice to someone, maybe not necessarily taking the builder with them, but if they go into a condo space and they're like, oh, I want to do this and this and this to it, is it, you know, good for somebody to be like, hey, do you know if I can do this or not? Because, you know, just because you purchase a condo doesn't mean you're going to be allowed to do like remove that wall, like you said, or put in that dream kitchen that you want you might be restricted to what you can or cannot
2: totally yeah so so strata bylaws super super important a lot of buildings have standardized bylaws but every building has their own sort of restrictions and some of that has to do whether they're being precautionary because of maybe the past history of history of somebody may have done something that they weren't supposed to and so a lot of stratas sort of have this uh you know, these hoops they want you to jump through and follow a certain amount of rules. You have to submit forms and paperwork and tell them who your, you know, your contractors are and whether or not they are licensed and work safe. And so they make you go through the gauntlet for that specific reason. And um, so it's important to to sort of know what you're allowed to do and not to do. So when you go to do a major renovation, you'll probably be, you know, you have to go through the permitting rounds. And when you go to apply for a permit to municipalities, they're gonna use the last point of reference that they have for that unit on file. And if alterations have been made that don't comply with sort of the changes there, you're gonna create some, uh, you're gonna basically stop the permitting process right there because the city's gonna say, well, wait a minute, this is what we have on file, but it's been changed and it hasn't permitted. And now you wanna change it again. So that could put up some red flags, some negotiation has to start at that point. Um, But it goes back to your point when you bring us in, we do all that due diligence. We go in and dig up the old files from the city. We see what was there, what was allowed, what has been done. The city, to a certain degree, has those records if uh, the permitting was done properly. And then from there, we go and do everything the proper and the legal route so that, you know, everybody's happy, including the strata and, and the property managers.
1: And that's important too, like you said, making the strata happy because I know that can make or break your renovation as well because if the strata, like you said, has been burned before, they're not going to maybe want contractors because they're not going to think, oh, these contractors are going to know what they do, put in the proper protection in the hallways, loading the materials in and out in a courteous manner and all that.
2: Yeah, so so working in condos and in, in sort of high-rises or low-rise, whichever it may be. Um, it, it comes with its own sort of uh, challenges. Uh, the logistics are a tough challenge. So imagine you're basically going into an enclosed space. You're hauling everything out through a 36-inch door, if you're lucky. Some of the older units have smaller doors. So you have to compartmentalize everything, put it into these dollies, get them out, not damage anything in the process, uh, abide by all the rules and the hours, and not bother the neighbors. Book an elevator. Uh, so so, if you just sort of add the task list, it's just a long list of things and it's not for everybody.
1: Yeah, I think that it's it's always important to plan. Like I think in basically every episode, we keep saying how the importance of planning is and, and hiring the right professionals for sure. Um, I know we've talked about before, but, back, but uh, a little bit about water pressure. I know sometimes water pressure issues um, with condos like low flow products impacted by weaker water pressure and uh, higher up. The floors you go. Can you tell us how you fix a little bit of that? Because if someone's wanting a condo, but maybe their shower's not going to give them a little, <laughs> little pressure,
2: which I love a good shower. So I think we all do. Yeah. Yeah, I think we all do. Well, one of the uh, like in Vancouver, I'll say in the municipality, their aim is to obviously make you have uh, low water usage faucets and taps and, and sort of same thing with with uh, appliances and lights. They want you to upgrade everything so that you're using the least amount of energy and resources. Uh, but people might not like that. They want that jetted uh, shower head to be there for them. As far as water pressure goes, I mean, the taller up you go, your, your pressure sort of decreases. A lot of these high-rises have what are called booster pumps. And let's say if it's a high-rise that's 40 stories up, uh, they might have a booster pump on the 16th floor. And so what that does is all the water that's coming into the building, this pump boosts up, ups the pressure again, and raises it up. So we're sort of restricted to what that booster pump gives us. We can't do uh, too much in, in that regard. And then, uh, you know, from from when we go to permit, they actually ask us, uh, what are you using? What kind of faucets are you using? We have, to, we have to earn a certain amount of points to show that the condo is going to be... Um, you know more energy efficient or or it'll use less water and things like that so there's a fine balance there and we try to do our best to meet both ends um if a homeowner wants to change the tap later to something that's higher pressure they can do so but at the end of the day it's what's coming out of the uh the booster pump let's say or the pressure head that is going to dictate sort of how much they get
1: and jamie on the design perspective are you seeing a lot of like fancier shower heads and everything that might make bebec's job a little bit
3: harder (laughs) when it comes to pressure and everything i think like our job is to make bebec's job a little harder for sure um but you know in, in the right way but like, I think one of the things that comes down to this too is education. So a typical faucet, you walk into a showroom, you play with a faucet, the manufacturers have designed it for, well, back to mentioning how the city wants us to have low flow, but that's not, I don't think that's being asked enough in the actual, you know, showroom or when we're vetting these faucets is where is this going to be applied? Okay, it's in a condo, but how high up? Like, does it have a booster? Like, I think these, these questions are not really asked. So what happens is the homeowner falls in love with this faucet, us as the design team we look at you know the style the function how the water hits the sink you know inside the shower they want body jets and they want you know a rain head and all these things and they want this type of finish this type of look and honestly i think that's as far as design and and the diligence is kind of going in and i honestly think that we need to do more so like when the homeowner is looking at these faucets we need to know that hey it's on the 32nd floor and this is where pressure is hitting on that floor and I don't think that question is asked enough from you know sales from the showrooms to to the actual manufacturers rep educating us as design teams or or you know us asking the clients but we're seeing like every bell and whistle you can think of in the shower and I think this whole realm of rejuvenation has been coming through the last year really heavy but it's been coming for the last like 10 years where we're seeing models that are designed for spas like they're designed for commercial use going into homes such as steam showers or you know, rain heads or body jets or aromatherapy, chromatherapy, where, you know, smell or light is brought into the shower now. And we're pushing this on the back to, you know, we've got this little condo bathroom that was designed for just a tub and a shower head. And we're trying to stick, you know, these seven different fixtures in there. And it's his job to figure out how it's going to work properly.
2: You know, and we talked about the water pressure here, but also the capacity of how much power is coming into that unit right? If you've got 100 amps coming into a, a condo unit or even less than that, and your steam shower demands 40 to 60 amps, well, you just took more than 50% of your power that dedicated to the steam shower. Well, that's not going to work unless you turn everything off and you just take a steam shower, right? Um, and I've had specs come across my desk that require sort of up to 70 to 80 sort of amps. And it's like, okay, well, we can't make that happen. Sorry. Like, uh, You know, you should have thought about this a little sooner. So we are sort of the deliverer of bad news at times, but, uh, you know, there's only so much power and pressure going into a unit, and we can only work within what we have at at our fingertips there. We talked
0: about things like electrical, plumbing, and, you know, we definitely know we need a permit for a freestanding home. Does a condominium need a permit, and is there a cutoff from when I do and I don't need a permit just because we don't want people going down the path and finding out they needed one afterwards, correct?
2: Sure. So so two sort of schools of thought on that. One is some stratas require you to get a permit regardless. And those are the stratas that are sort of probably super precautionary and all that stuff. Maybe they've been burnt. But from a, a permitting perspective, if you're just doing an aesthetical change, so let's say you're painting the place, you're changing the countertops, maybe the cabinets, the floors, that doesn't quite with the city constitute a, uh, a requirement for, for a permit. That's more of a cosmetic thing. But as soon as you start moving a wall around and you're sort of moving plugs and you're moving plumbing and things like that that's going to trigger a permit right off the bat and in majority of the work that we do because we sort of do full guts and all that we go directly the permit route um regardless because we just want to protect ourselves and also the uh the, the electricians, the, the sprinkler guys, the plumbers. And that way, everybody in that building knows that we've gone the correct route. Now, that might take a little bit longer because once we submit it to the city, you know, there's that waiting period where the city's mercy. But what we can do is engage with the homeowner as early as possible once they know they want to go with the reno, apply to the strata for the permission to get the permission from the strata because a lot of people are not aware you have to get permission from the strata. Uh, before you apply for a permit. Even when you go apply for a permit package, there has to actually be an authorization letter from the strata saying you are allowed to do a renovation here. It's one of the five requirements of the city. And the other one being the energy checklist that we discussed earlier. And then the drawings are in there and there's a couple of other forms that we have to fill up. So all of those things are important. And to your point, people sort of get ahead of the game and they start buying stuff and designing and they want to renovate and they haven't sort of gone through the correct channels. And then they might get a stop work order, which is even worse because the city comes in and it says, where's your permit? Or they might damage something in the process or even, you know, just uh, make the strata members angry. So you don't want any of those things on your back.
0: And I think one other point as well, correct me if I'm wrong. If I got a buddy who comes to my condominium and starts doing renovation and they cause an issue, who's liable for that? (laughs) You are. It's awesome information for people looking to renovate condos. I want to talk more about the pre-renovation process and design trends too, but first we need to take a quick break to thank our podcast sponsors. So hang in there and we'll be back in 30 seconds.
1: Measure Twice, Cut Once is grateful for the support from our podcast partners, BC Housing, BC Hydro, and Fortis BC. Their support helps us share expert knowledge and resources like you're hearing today from Rebecca and Jamie to help build, design, and renovate the home right for you.
0: And speaking of resources, the BC Energy Step Code program is a provincial standard that is moving the entire home building industry forward to build better homes to better efficiency standards, which means better comfort, health and safety. Be sure to check out betterhomesbc.ca where you'll find a variety of rebates for construction materials, home energy evaluations, plus mortgage and tax refunds.
1: There are also rebates for renovations too. Just click on the rebate search tool button on the homepage of betterhomesbc.ca to find cost-saving resources for your next project or talk with your licensed builder or professional contractor, they'll help guide you. Now let's get back to Bebek and Jamie. Okay, so we left
0: off talking about strata and permit times. Bebek, can you walk us through the process to help minimize the process? In other words, what
2: steps can we take to help cut down on the permit approval times? Sure thing. So um, the first thing, get the obtain the strata bylaws. Um, let us or yourself figure out exactly which paper pieces of documentation or paperwork that they need to be filled out to be submitted to them. That will help condense that whole permission process. Now they might demand a, uh, a layout of what you've done or what you're going to be doing. This is where someone like Jamie comes in with their design. They don't have to have the full design done yet in terms of finishes and all that, but they need to have the floor plan completed so that the strata has an idea of what's happening.
3: I think one thing on the permit process is a lot of people are scared of permitting. But like the back said, like we can use that time to efficiently plan out and vet for pricing and stress test solutions, literally take the entire design process through the permitting. So if it's teed up correctly and it's planned out correctly, as far as timeline goes, the permitting process actually is time that we get to working and, and, you know, ideally by the time the permits are back in hand, we've kind of made our selections, picked everything, but back done all of his costing and we're ready to go.
0: Uh, We touched a bit on the space, but let's talk a little about noise and air quality, which are very near and dear to me having a family full of kids. Um, What are some of the design features that you use to help with noise issues and to help with air quality, both very important in today's uh, high-density living spaces?
3: Yeah, I would say noise, like, the first thing we kind of look at is, like, very simple kind of taught in school is noise is going to do, like, two things. It's either going to, like, bounce off of something or absorb into something. So I think the easiest way to understand how to play with that is you know, if you're renovating, it could be adding textures, right? So it could be adding some sort of textural wall, or, or even like a green space wall, or a backsplash, or or other things like that. But also making kind of, you know, it could be a uh, kind of we worked on, we wanted to have, um, we wanted to re- install window coverings, and we really wanted something electronic, but really, the housing was not going to work with what was existing in, in the home. So we ended up building kind of like a coffered ceiling detail on the outside and the homeowner was fighting us on it saying we're going to, we don't want to lower our ceiling heights, but it was just kind of the perimeter. What it also does is it gives avenues for sound to bounce into and die into. So I think on kind of the, the construction side of things, I think building little alcoves or having shelving that has, you know, open doors on it or, or textural things will bounce sound out and, and reduce those. And then obviously using the right materials. So the right flooring and, you know, even the right installation of flooring. So we can install, you know, an engineered hardwood, but ideally it needs to be installed the right way for it to help with sound or or not have that clicky aspect to it. And I think just on kind of looking at those on a high level, as far as the construction materials, will help with sound. But obviously, you know, when you get into the space, a lot of condos, especially ours, you know, we have a lot of windows and that's something I love. But, you know, when you look at it, we have hard surfaces like countertops and, you know, appliances and other things, and all these things bounce sound around, but it's all adding in softer things, right? Like it could be a living green wall or plants or bring in art that canvas instead of glass. Those little things can help buffer sound. And especially, you know, these days if people are working from home or they're in their little kind of den, office space in a condo, typically it's, it's all hard finishes. So adding little things softer and things that have depth, things that have texture will uh, bounce and, and absorb sound a little bit more. And as far as like air quality goes, that's the topic that is coming up over and over and over and over again these days. And realistically, there's not a lot we can do with renovating a condo because we can't really, you know, penetrate the exterior, deal with, you know, moving windows, adding in, you know, air systems and things like that. But I think there's lots of little ways as homeowners to add things to the home to help with. Um, air quality and it could be installing a living wall and a project me and back are working on right now you know the homeowner really wants to have they've got the stairs going up to the rooftop and you know one of the first ideas that came across was installing this living wall going all the way up that that, that staircase right and she's got this little um, plant that hangs on the wall that she bought from the company that can install these type of systems and adding little things like that like greenier plants that will not only help buffer sound pull out dust, things like that, but it will help with playing around with air quality. And we're seeing units coming out from like IKEA. Like IKEA has just kind of brought out a unit that is a HEPA filter that's going to help, you know, suck out toxins and and bad things from the air. And it's a little unit from IKEA that hangs on the wall, right? So we're seeing all different kind of smaller ways to deal with a condo with air quality and noise.
1: When you guys are designing or building, I want answers from both of you on this. Have you guys ever had to design or build something really unique in the homes that you've been doing lately?
3: Yeah, I would say one of the biggest things coming up right now is people and their pet. We've had so many cat litter boxes that we have to build into kitchens or little bench at the front entrances and all through condos. And back, we're working on a project right now where the homeowner, you know, they've got two little puppies. And we're building a little step so it's it's a two platform literally made out of millwork that matches their kitchen it's it's not the cheapest thing in the world but they're building a little two-step platform for the little puppies to you know climb up get out the window get onto the deck hang out do their thing and then climb back in so we're seeing this i don't this trend of just taking care of pets at home
2: yeah i mean same thing the pet uh the home for the pet in a home Um, is sort of trending a lot. And I think if you sort of follow stuff on Instagram and things like that, you're seeing more and more cool things like that. Like, uh, I haven't seen it yet happen, but, you know, um, uh, a faucet that's above a bowl that's built into a kitchen island, right? So the dog can go under and just, you know, lounge and drink water from there and then you're not basically picking up the bowl to fill it up at the sink you're actually doing it right down there and it's all ready to go the latest request we sort of had from a client was uh they wanted trx anchors put up in the ceiling so those are those stretch bands that you put up
1: oh yeah like for um i used yeah. to do that back in the day at the gym but they had a special bar <laughs> that's right
2: and so i had to uh, bring the client in and figure out first where they where they wanted it and then they figured out where they wanted it and i'm like okay how do we do this it's a concrete ceiling so we had to go through a structural engineer we had to go through a building envelope. We had to engineer these special beams to anchor back into the ceiling because that's a lot of weight that you're pulling on these things. At the end of the day, it's our liability. And we had to bury everything behind drywall so it doesn't look like there's a ton of backing there. So when you just put the TRXs in, they attach on like they're clean onto the ceiling, right? So yeah, yeah. And it's it's uh, it's uh interesting things like that because they're not the norm, but you figure out a way to, to work around it and and uh, you know make the client happy. I
3: think one thing is like, we're seeing a lot of people just embracing their personality so they're they clicked in from this you know they're they're living in a house and it's now like this is their home this is them you know if their hobbies are pets or hobbies is working out or cooking like they're embracing what kind of makes them happy, and they're kind of sucking that out of them, and they're they're putting it into their home.
0: Jamie, do you think that's part of a shift because people have recognized that this isn't a step home now, this is their forever home? Or is it just because of a response to COVID where people are trying to get more of their spaces? I'm just curious if this is part of a greater shift or a trend.
3: No, see, I blame it on my parents. So I think what it is is I think it's it's a trend that's, I think, going to stick around for quite a while. and I think it's been brewing for many years is my mom and dad are at an age where, you know, they've worked their butt off, they've got this home, they've got a bit of cash in the bank, and now they want what they want, right? So back in the day, the kitchen used to be very much functional of like, okay, there's two boys, we're going to make dinner, get out of here, that's it. They want cooktops and they want wall ovens because it's better function for their kitchen or they want these kind of countertops. And I I was explaining to my mom that, you know, she got a certain brand of countertop in her home and I had to tell her like, David Foster has the exact same countertop you have. But you don't make $400 million a year, right? You don't. But you have the exact same color countertop in in your home. So I think my mom and dad have, you know, that generation, they're they're treating themselves, right? They're pre-COVID, they're, you know, we're seeing this trend in. They're getting out there. They're shopping more. They're going to, you know, different restaurants. They're, you know, spending $7 on lattes. They're they're traveling. They're finding things traveling. They're bringing it home and it's inspiring. Now we're seeing all these mixing of metals and woods. But what it's doing is is telling my generation that this is the norm. So my generation, we're walking into condos, and we're saying, I don't want laminate countertops. I don't want a top down sink. I want what my mom and dad have. I want, you know, quartz countertops. I want all this undermound things like the home should be designed around me well I also
1: think too it's uh Instagram is to blame as well because you can see like you said you can see people like David Foster or Kim Kardashian and they tour that you through their homes and then everyone's like I want this or that like
3: and it's like we're fine like as designers like we're finding inspiration like I'm getting inspired by people in Australia or the UK and you know it could be a really fun product or it could be a different way of doing something or just just reinventing what's happening out there. But yeah, these, these, you know, these, I guess Instagram as an influence is, I think it's kickstarting projects. So it's making people think like, well, they have that kitchen, I want that kitchen. But it's also, I think, giving reassurance. So before in the past, you know, we would say, okay, we want to paint your cabinetry blue. Well, what they were, the only information they were really getting on design was these publications that was tailored for that market by a handful of groups. Whereas now with Instagram and just the platforms, they are literally, their design style that they're embracing is tailored by choices they're making. That's going to hit their feet. Right. So I think that's also come back to that whole topic on people bringing in the personality where I think it's making it easier. It's letting them like, it's, 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 it's making a decision that's not going to be hard or it's because they're seeing it repeated over and over and over
1: going back to the logistics but back when people are looking on instagram and seeing like you like you said the steam shower or those fancy faucets is that making your job a little bit harder for realistic expectations of what can work in a condo and
2: what won't yeah i wouldn't say it's making it harder but it's it's i think i get inspired too when i see homeowners sort of put out their ideas or their thoughts that gets us excited it's like okay great so these people are willing to sort of think outside the box or expand their horizons And that makes it super exciting for us because we're like, okay, we're going to do something unique and different here. And as long as they're open to that, then it just, it makes our job a lot easier in that sense because then the dialogue begins and it's like, well, what if we do this? Have you thought about this? I had a client, um, you know, there was a beam in the middle of of the place and um, at the end of the day, we couldn't do much with it. So we ended up adding a bunch of slats next to it. So, sorry, not a beam, but it was a column. And so we put a bunch of like a... you know, two by wood material and we painted it. And then it was like, how what should we paint it? Oh, let's paint it black. I'm like, why don't we do yellow? And it was just a joke. And the husband's like, yeah, let's do yellow. And so now when you walk into their place, you just see this yellow thing just jump right at you. But it was so much fun. And then so we ended up actually painting the back of their door yellow also at the same time. And so it's one of those fun things that when you get people open to ideas that way, it opens things up. And the other thing I'm finding a lot of people are open to is wallpaper now, right? You can get customized wallpaper. You can get any print on that. So people sometimes do their own drawings and then they send it to a print shop at a wallpaper and then they bring it back and they want us to install. It. And it's like, well, that, that's pretty cool. That's the benefit of Instagram that I see. It's just exposing people to a lot more ideas. And as long as the, the end user is, is open to it, then it just makes all of us sort of unified and, and easier to do the job.
1: And let's face it, wallpaper is a lot better than it used to be back in the <laughs> day.
3: <laughs> well, we got a project right now with the back end. Wallpaper just got installed in the powder room. And it's this really dark. Let's say It's like a peony kind of look in there. And it's all walls. And we literally pulled tile off the walls to put this on. And it was pretty new tile but the comment from the homeowner was i have a lineup of guests waiting to poop in this bathroom when it's okay because she's in love with it right and that's i that's exactly back to that point of like embracing that personality like she's like i got a list of people that would want to poop in this bathroom right so we're that wallpaper has pulled out her personality and and we're all for it
0: that's not exactly how i expected a wallpaper story to go but it's the happiest ending i've ever heard to a wallpaper story
3: and it's going to be stunning.
0: It's going to be stunning. Well, I want to see some pictures. I want some inspiration for my own house as well. Jamie, you blamed your parents personally for uh, some of the changing trends in design. And I do want to bring up your parents and my parents' generation because there is a lot more emphasis on aging in place now. How we deal with our elders is very different than it was a generation ago. Um, can you talk a little about how you take into account the concept of aging in place and the designs you do when you're looking at a condominium or or any kind of unit, really? How What are some of the fundamentals that you would look at for that and how would you help someone who wants to use their place now but continue to use it later?
2: I
3: think aging in place is probably one of my favorite topics and I think it's something that needs to be looked at regardless of how old you are. So every project we look at, young or old, will bring up aging in place and a lot of people might, you know, push it off. be are like, how old do I actually look, right? But, but realistically, I think there's lots of little ways that we could make decisions now, put, you know, an hour into planning, which will impact whoever is going to live in this home for however long. And it could be little things like adding backing in certain areas. Like, if we're renovating a bathroom, let's add backing, so you know plywood or whatever backing needed. So maybe in the future we can install reach bars. Or if we're going to update interior doors, let's make sure they're big enough for wheelchair accessibility. Or if we're going to update showers, let's update so we can maybe roll a shower in there or a bench so somebody could potentially sit on there if they need assistance for it. Right? But it could be little things, right? Where when we're looking, picking out a toilet back to pooping we're picking out a toilet, right? We could do something that's more comfort height, so it's taller, that's maybe easier for somebody to get on and off of. Or I remember, you know, my, my grandma's a really good example, right? We renovated her condo and not much, but there was certain things we did in there. And the main objective was to literally keep my grandma in her home so it was to keep her in her home but it was more of a way to boost up who she is and, and to keep her lifestyle going the way it should go. So in the shower we ended up installing um, a digital thermostat and, and so instead of the old diverter that you would turn left to right to turn the water on it's digital so she presses the button and the water goes on. So you know when she wants to have a shower it's you know grandma one button setting and it's all to shower but what it does is it helps her clean the shower. So there's you know a, a setting two where she hits that button she can spray down the shower and she can run that water you know for for five, 10 minutes on super high pressure, super high temperature, and that's going to rinse that shower. So she doesn't have to bring in a cleaning lady, right? Cool. And
1: one thing I wanted to touch on before we go, we mentioned a little bit at the beginning, but how important is it to have insurance when you're renovating a condo? Because I know a lot of people kind of get the idea when you're building a brand new home, but I know in condos, people are like, I don't need that. I was like, ah, yeah, you do.
2: (laughs) Yeah, hugely, hugely important. Um, I don't bestow this on any of my worst enemies, but if you've ever gone through an insurance issue in Estrada, it takes forever. Uh, I've been in that situation where our place was flooded due to somebody upstairs and we had to live six weeks in a hotel. Uh, you, like you had to pack everything up within hours and get out, you know, and the restoration company came in. And then the sort of that's all out of pocket, right? And then the insurance games begin four, six months, maybe two years, It took us two years to get reimbursed for it right. So, and, and we were the sort of the victims, let's say. we were in the culprits. Uh, insurance is hugely important. So So first and foremost, you should have as a homeowner your own personal insurance in your condo. A lot of people are not aware of this. If like if, if something you're responsible for the damages that occur within your unit, If somebody even damages you from above, if that makes any sense, Uh, because the way the strata looks at it, they take care of the common property stuff. At the end of the day, they're looking to POINT THE FINGER AT SOMEONE AND WHO THE culprit IS AND SO IF WE'RE DOING a RENOVATION AND SOMETHING GOES WRONG AND YOUR INSURANCE IS NOT IN PLACE EVEN A COURSE OF LIKE WE EVEN HAVE A COURSE OF CONSTRUCTION INSURANCE IN PLACE DURING RENOVATIONS SO THAT IN ADDITION TO THE HOMEOWNERS WE ALWAYS TELL THE HOMEOWNERS MAKE SURE YOU GET RENOVATION INSURANCE FOR THIS PERIOD BECAUSE YOU'RE NOT LIVING HERE WE WILL HAVE OUR SECONDARY INSURANCE ON TOP OF THAT OR UMBRELLA INSURANCE AND SO NOW WE'VE SORT OF COVERED ALL ANGLES uh, DURING THAT PROCESS It does cost a little bit more, but at the end of the day, like think about the the other part of it, right? If you don't have that insurance and something goes wrong, uh, then forget the return on, on investment, like the headaches and all the money and all that stuff that comes with it. Um, and, and the secondary thing I should mention is uh, with the new laws, not laws, but the new sort of requirements for insurance premiums going up in condos, like in my building, it's gone from 25000 to to $100,000. Uh, you don't want to be liable for that. So you want to have as much insurance in place to protect you as possible. Uh, so the premiums are going up on a, if, if you pay monthly or annually, but it's totally worth it in that situation. It is your home. You're in the structure. You're sharing that building with everybody else. Make sure you have as much insurance as possible, especially during renovation.
1: But Beck and Jamie, this episode has been so informative. You've given me and Mike and our listeners a lot of great information to help us decide what to look for when renovating a condo and the benefits to making it your home.
0: Oh, yeah. This season of Measure Twice, Cut Once is all about finding and building and renovating the home right for you. And we learned so much today, as we always do. We talked about the ROI benefits of renovating your space to make it your own. The importance of bringing on a designer to increase livability and use of space. Looking at the bones of a condo versus buying an emotion of what you see today versus the potential processes for working with a strata to minimize permitting times. And of course, different issues faced when renovating a wooden structure versus a concrete structure. If you could leave our listeners with just one last piece of advice, what would it be? And we're going to start with Babak because we're going in alphabetical order again today.
2: I'd say don't just go at it on your own thinking that you can do it. You might be able to, and I'm not, you know, discounting anybody, but a condo has what much more condensed rough behind the walls than a house does. So you have to be aware of that. So to you, it might look like it's just a wall, but you have no idea what's back there unless you have x-ray vision or you have photos from the beginning. So consult an expert, experienced expert, as early in the game as possible before you take something like that on. And that goes with the whole gamut of things we talked about, permitting and strata bylaws and all that stuff. So consult an expert.
3: Yeah, my tip of advice would be just to build that team so regardless what project you're taking on you're typically going to build a team you're going to have you know if you're looking at your investments you're going to have maybe a consultant somebody at the bank to deal with so just like this home just build the right team right bring as many kind of consultants and and people that are going to back you up so mine would be just build a team
1: perfect and if anyone wants to get a hold of you after listening to this podcast what are your what is your information how can they find you what is your details
3: I would say just Google my name, Jamie Banfield Designs.
2: Awesome. And for us, uh, condorworks.com or condorworks.ca, we're on Instagram. You can get us through our website and uh, we're on Facebook also and just look us up and we're there.
1: Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Bebek and Jamie. You've given me a lot of great ideas to work with. And to our listeners, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please like and follow and share with your friends and families. The more followers we have, the more people who will find our podcast and the excellent resources our guests are sharing like Bebek and Jamie today. I've learned so much today about renovating a condo. You've got me excited again about the prospect of finding my new home.
0: I look forward to hearing all about your search. In the meantime, for notes and links to everything mentioned on today's episode, including links of the pictures of the condos renovated by Babak and Jamie, go to haven.ca slash measure twice cut once.
1: Thanks for joining us. We look forward to sharing next week's episode when we talk with Dust Design Group about the team to build or renovate your home and the proverbial topic of cost per square foot. Thank you guys so much. This has been Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast from Haven, the Home Builders Association Vancouver. Thanks for joining us today. For notes and links to everything
0: mentioned on today's episode, go to haven.ca slash measure twice, cut once.
1: Follow us and review us to help empower homeowners like yourself to make the right decision the first time. Until
0: next time, this is Mike Friedman.
1: I'm Jennifer Lee, (laughs) reminding you to measure twice
0: and cut once.